So so this is a way of not dealing, uh, even on a semi-personal basis, with the people that you are killing. And it is indeed a a very specific act of going out with a, a very large gun and whacking people. And if that isn't, I agree with you completely, that is state terrorism. We should not be whacking people. Why are we doing this? Because we cannot get to them any other way. We don't have this any, way. We don't have any what they call hume-int, which is human intelligence, i.e. we can't send somebody in from, you know, that studied Arabic or Pashtun at Colgate University and he can pretend to be Taliban. Can't do it, you know. No, and, we, then, and then put a, a, a suitcase with explosives <laughs> under the desk, which then Hitler moves over by his, you know. Can't do that. And we can't, and we cannot actually br- hire anybody to do it inside Waziristan because everybody knows what everybody else is doing. And when they find out you took money from the Americans, they kill you. The amazing thing about the Afghanis is they can tell each other apart. They can. I can't. They can. Maybe it's different rugs. Maybe it's maybe it's a different brand of opium on their breath. I don't know what it is, but speaking they can. Speaking of opium, you know, about a third. I'm always speaking of opium, yes. <laughs> but not on it. About a third of the opium crop is, uh, is uh, vanished due to some dreadful illness in Afghanistan. They lost about a third of the crop, so they expect the prices are going to go up. Oh, man, you mean like like some sort of like, you know, they need Monsanto's, right, opium seeds that are impervious to all of those diseases. Just let's work it out. The, the peace jirga is coming up, and I'm sure all these guys sitting around with their, you know, in their tribal dress, talking their tribal languages, will come up with a tribal solution for this, which is if we just get money from America to keep growing more opium instead of having the Marines walk through our fields like Clutzes. Why, then we'll good. Monsanto, very good, very good. And then we can find a use for Halliburton.
same old game Sometimes you gotta start with commotion If you want that sweet emotion Cause I ain't no magic potion Gonna help you win at the game of love Your driving car out on the highway Say to yourself do this my way Cause I ain't No chance in hell Maybe Gonna win At the game of love Can't win At the game of love No, can't win At the game of love First of all, don't you think this spill now is, is thought to is going to be in excess of what happened with Exxon Valdez? Well, let's, let's see if that happens. Let's see if that happens. Well, okay. Let, I mean, but, there's, but, a, there's but, a good question today if you're standing down there on the Gulf, and that is, where's the oil? Where's because the oil? It's not on, except for little chunks of it. You're not even seeing it on the shores there, yet. But there are some new reports that there are greater amounts of it on the ocean oh, floor. Oh, yes, there's, that's true. But you know where the greatest source of oil that seeps into the ocean is? It's from natural seepage from, under, uh, from subterranean deposits. That's where most of it comes from, not from drilling accidents. So what's badly needed here is some perspective on our energy policy and also on the hard realities of what really goes on when it comes to oil spillage. But I think it's going to damage the environment in the Gulf and it's going to damage tourism, going to damage fishing. I don't think there's any question this is in excess of anything that we previously we'll asked the ocean is. to absorb. We'll see if it is. But, right. But the I ocean think, absorbs but a lot, Juan. An awful lot. The ocean absorbs a lot. Yeah, well, there you go. Brett Hume has now joined... Uh, many illustrious people and what I has become a slick idiot in oil. All right. Slip me a few slickers. Yeah. As I was talking with uh, Dave Maloney when we first heard this, and he said he must have been to dinner with someone from the industry, and they fed him this line about, <laughs> did you know, Brent, that most of the oil that seeps into the Gulf comes from just normal subterranean seepage, you know, 30,000, 40,000 gallons an hour of that stuff just seeping out. We just we just didn't notice it. No, no. It was like a, you know, it was sort of like a volcano, but, you know. Upside we, down. Upside or down or under the water. We didn't. Where it doesn't would, belong. Yeah, it doesn't happen. There, okay, so. we got Brett Hume, right? Yeah. Okay, now we got yeah. Haley Barber, the Republican governor of Mississippi, and mm-hmm. he doesn't think that this is a big problem at he all. He doesn't. Uh, he likened much of the spill to the gasoline sheen commonly found around ski boats. I quote him. We don't wash our face in it, but it doesn't stop us from jumping off the boat to ski, Barber said. Uh-huh. Oh, he also suggested, Not in my lake. <laughs> he also suggested <laughs> right it was possible that what happens here will be manageable and of moderate, even minimal impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sort of said, like your garage floor on a, like a leaky yeah, carburetor. Or something he said, like yeah, come on down here and play golf. Enjoy the beach. Catch a fish and pay a little sales tax while you're here. <laughs> Oh, uh, no, okay. He's not alone. We got Brett Hume, we got Hailey okay, Barber, and also okay. we've got a British Petroleum CEO, oh, yes, Tony that, Hayward, yeah, yeah, yeah. who has declared that the giant oil spill in the Gulf, still gushing thousands of gallons of oil a day into the sea, and the hundreds of thousands of gallons of dispersant that the BP has pumped into the water mm. to combat the slick, are tiny compared to the very big ocean. The Gulf of Mexico is a very big ocean. The amount of volume of oil and dispersant we are putting in it is, is tiny in relationship to its total water volume. And we'll fix it, he said. I guarantee the only question is we, we don't know when. 
Hayward also acknowledged that BP had made some initial mistakes in its response to the, the spill. It was a bit bumpy to get it going. We made a few little mistakes early on and said it's possible that his job might one day be in jeopardy as a result of the spill. Asked if he felt his job was already under threat, he replied, I don't at the moment. That, of course, may change. I will be judged by the nature of the response. Slick idiots in oil. Yeah, there they are. Well, <clears throat> yes, I heard that fellow. It's the British fellow. Uh, I mean, it is the voice of, of BP and the voice of, you know, one of the most gigantic corporations. I mean, they're, what they're spilling in the ocean is, you know, is this like their profit margin for the year? No. Is this their profit margin for the hour margin? <laughs> you know, it's nothing. It's just a, it's just the Gulf's got some oil into it. It's not going to spill on Haley Barber's front lawn. That's what he's telling me, huh? Boy, I tell you, when it comes down to Provincetown and those little those little oil slickers come around Provincetown and start floating around the Cape, I'll tell you things are going to look a lot different because we out here on the Cape are proud to be liberals and Massachusetts and, and, and Cape addicts, and we don't want any southern oil on our beaches. And you just remember that, Governor, okay? Good digital day to you, dear friends. I'm Reverend Bill Barnstormer of the First Vigilant Church of Science Fiction. My text today is from the second book of Paul, chapter 2. And Rand went forth unto the tea partiers, his eyes to the ophthalmoscope wherethrough he could see into the eye of his beholders. And he saith unto them, Is it always someone's fault? Maybe sometimes accidents happen. And Dear friends, say thank you for that, because don't we know that accidents do happen every day in our kitchens, in our schoolrooms, and even in our cars? And yes, even in our darkest coal mines and our deepest oil holes, accidents can happen. And if they do, well, can't we blame the government? And dear friends, if it's not someone's fault, aren't we glad? Because if it were, then we'd have to take an interest in it, and dear friends, Interest rates are way, way down. Now you can get your own copy of the first and second books of Paul from the fine folks at WFCFA. That's White Folks for a Compassion-Free America right down there in Brasero, Arizona. <clears throat> and say, if you'd like one of those front porch signs you've been hearing about and seeing on the news, it's, it's just got those simple words, We Ain't Calling 911. And after you hang it up there on your porch there, well, you can put your own toy water gun or rocket launcher right there to, you know, give people a picture. So you just send a postcard to sign Divine Holy Name Blessed Covenant Church of the Second Amendment dot com right there at Box 1776, Billville, USA. This is the Reverend Bill Barnstormer saying, thank you, dear friends. Well, that was Best of the Best and All the Rest. I'm your host, Peter Bergman. 
my co-host David Osmond. John Cumming does our ones and zeros. Tom Gidwillow puts it all on the site. Phil Fountain, he makes it look beautiful. Dave Maloney does the sound. Bill McIntyre produces the whole schmageggy. And Scott Wilde is our social media guru. See you on the week coming up.